Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, listeners. Hope you're well. You're tuned in to yet again another installment of the Beautiful Game podcast and Eurosport collaboration, bringing you reviews, thoughts, and predictions in this year's Euro 2020. Of course, as ever, I'm your host, Budge. I'm joined by my faithful co-conspirator, Dot, and also Ben from Eurosport. Ben, it's been a little while, mate. Good to see you back in the starting 11. Absolutely delighted to be back with over the starting 11. I've made the starting three today, so I'm absolutely <laughs> 100% great stuff. Now, of course, um, we've had a, a, a few very interesting fixtures Um, over this weekend that we want to uh, dissect and and, and get your thoughts on. Um, And we're going to start off with England and Scotland. Now, of course, the game ended in a a, a board draw. And and whilst it was a hotly contested encounter, um, it left a lot of fans feeling as though uh, Southgate's um, selection made things more difficult than they needed to be. Um, and I wanted to take, I wanted to get your thoughts on this and, and we'll kick things off with you, Ben. It, do you feel that, um, that the setup and, and, and the team that uh, Gareth South, Southgate selected was too negative uh, in that game against Scotland? I don't have a problem with the, with the team. I think the main problem from the Croatia match was that he played a right footer at left back. It was moronic and he fixed that and he played Luke Shaw. And mm. I thought, all right, Calvin Phillips in the end didn't have the best game against Scotland, but I sort of felt that the team he put out was most of the players there. They played well against Croatia. They deserved another chance. The reason I'm so annoyed with Southgate is he didn't make many changes. He used two mm. substitutes. And it's it's not like it was the 2018 World Cup where you look to the bench, all right, it's Danny Welbeck. What's the point of bringing him on? Like <laughs> England have an insane bench. Like the idea that Jaden Sancho hasn't played a single minute. Like it wasn't like England were carving this team apart. Like we didn't create mm. any chances. Um, and that's what really irritates me. And again, like Jude Bellingham came on against Croatia, retired Luka Modric with his first touch. And then he's nowhere to be seen in this game. And I yeah. think that's that's my issue is that I think England have the squad to potentially win this or well, at least make the semifinals. And my concern is that we spent so long in the Euro warmups worrying about who was going to be the 26th man in the squad, Lingard, Ward Prowse or Ben White, that we didn't actually prepare like the players who were actually going to play and now with Southgate doesn't really know who his best team is. All right, he was hamstrung by the Champions League final. That didn't help him, obviously, because the players arrived late. 
And we're now in this situation where everyone kind of is like, no, he should play this player, he should play this player, he should play this player. Like, we have no idea what England's best team is. Yeah, 100%. And, and Dot, do you echo those sentiments? Do you feel that the starting eleven should have been different? Or if not, which substitutions would you have made being in Southgate's uh, boots when, when things were getting a bit stale and, and England weren't creating too many chances? Would you know my answer? Jack Grealish has to play every <laughs> single game, has to start. 100%. I think the biggest problem mm. I had in the game is, why can't you play Phil Foden and Jack Grealish in the same team? Why did Phil Foden come off for Jack Grealish? That's a like-for-like substitute. I think what a proactive top manager will do in that situation, he'll say, you know what? My defensive midfielders, I can sacrifice one of you and bring on an extra attack. And I think that potentially would have been the difference. In terms of the starting eleven, I didn't have a big issue with it because mm. that team has enough to be beating Scotland, in my opinion. But I just think the setup was wrong. I think if you're going to play Calvin Phillips in that advanced position, you might as well play a Jude Bellingham or a Jack Grealish or bring mm. in a Jaden Sancho and put Phil Foden in the middle because he can play that role to a T. So I think the eleven was okay, but in terms of a setup perspective, I think Southgate got it wrong. If I'm being totally honest. Mm. And and you raise a really good point and, and you mention a really key word in terms of setup, because one of the questions that I wanted to ask you both as well was, uh, you know, another talking point has been the fact that um, Harry Kane continues to, to drop deep to pick up the ball. And, no, and, and we've seen him have a, a brilliant season in terms of returns of, of goals and assists, playing that slightly different role for Spurs with, within the Premier League. But again, there are a, a, a load of fans that feel that there is enough attack, uh, you know, a, a, a attacking impetus and enough creativity playing in those attacking midfield positions that he doesn't necessarily need to drop so deep and he just needs to stay in the box. And I wonder where you guys sit on, on, on that. Do you think that, that him dropping deep is potentially causing an issue for England as well? I mean, I mean I'll, I'll, speak as a, I'll speak as a Spurs fan here as well. Like, when Harry Kane drops deep, it's different to when a midfielder, because he drags the central back, central defenders with him. The whole idea is Harry Kane drags defenders with him, space created. And then previously we played with Rashford and Sterling, both were in form, and they'd run into that space. Problem is, obviously, that doesn't work against Scotland because they sit too deep. Um, and now we've got Phil Foden playing and he's not that, that same kind mm. of player. <laughs> The thing, the thing is, is that Harry Kane's getting all this stick. It's not really Harry Kane's fault. Like it wasn't like he would. He, he's missed one chance this Euros where he right he clattered into the post and scuffed it against Croatia, it, and that didn't matter. Like the chances aren't being created, and we know. I mean, Harry Kane, he's always questioned, probably because he doesn't really look like a stereotypical footballer. Um, he's but he always answers them wrong. He was a one season wonder, then he was a two season wonder, then he was a three season wonder. Like, how many more times? Yeah. Like, the guy won the golden boot. Oh, he only scores penalties. Like, there's always questions around him, and he always answers them. And I'm sure he will. And the fact Gareth Southgate says he's going to play against Czech Republic, well, I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll, he'll bury a chance. Surely we're going to create chances for him soon. Mm. Yeah. And I think just just to mention Scotland, because again, there were two nations in this game, and I think Scotland were were terrific um on Friday night. I think Steve Clark got his tactics spot on. They suffocated England, they made it difficult for England, and they brought England down to their level. And I don't think England could really handle the occasion the way Scotland dealt with it. And I think mm. just seeing Kieran Turney and Robertson on that left side of the pitch, they caused troubles all yeah. game. And I think Reese James had a pretty below standard game. So I don't think Reese James took his 
you know, opportunity, if I'm being totally honest, because I think the Scotland left side actually ran England ragged. And this is a game that England should be winning. And I think I don't want to come in, jump the gun and say England are not good enough because we've seen teams like France struggle. We've seen Portugal get absolutely annihilated by Germany. So mm. I think we still need to be a bit cautious in terms of saying, oh, England are written off. I think they still have a chance to go far in this Euros. But I think next game is very crucial. And I think Southgate has to make changes. Fair enough. And just to round off on, on England before we move on, what's the one thing that Gareth Southgate needs to change going into that game against the Czech Republic? Play Jack Grealish. Play, yeah. play Jack Grealish. Jaden Sancho, one of the best attackers in world football, hasn't mm. had a minute on the football pitch. That's a big mm. issue because if Jaden Sancho was putting up the numbers he was putting in Germany and England, he will be in that starting lineup. So is this mm. a Premier League bias thing? Mm. And the thing is about Sancho, we all know what he can do. Give him the confidence, give him the game time, and I'm sure he will repay Southgate. And I'll just, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll echo that. Sancho, Kane, Grealish, front three. Like, there's nothing to lose against Czech Republic. Like, like, it, like, if we win the group, it looks like that could potentially be a horror draw anyway. With, yeah. with potential, well, maybe, maybe Germany lying in wait. I mean, that's not, that's not particularly appealing. And the other thing I'd say is that, right, great, we like Declan Rice, we like Calvin Phillips, but there is a chance that Jude Bellingham is 20 times better than them both, and therefore he should just be given the game. Just see what he's like. If he, yeah. if he plays well, great. If not, then it's, it's not a, it's not, you've not lost anything by doing it. And just, just last one, because I think the Calvin Phillips one is interesting, because I think when you look at the England setup, he is the closest player to that deep-line playmaker that England have. And then to play him in this advanced attacking midfield role, it's just a complete contradiction because we see him at Leeds week in, week out, pinging the ball, receiving the ball in the half term, spraying the ball over the pitch, put Calvin Phillips deep and bring in an extra attacker against Czech Republic. 100%. Uh, Gareth Southgate, if you're listening in, if you're tuning in, you heard it here first from the boys. Make sure you get those tactics spot on this game, mate. Moving on then, um, we also saw Germany come back with a vengeance with a, a 4-2 win over um, Portugal. And I mean, that game was, was really typified by, um, you know, the story that we were seeing come out on social media uh, about Robin Gosens feeling um, snubbed by Ronaldo when apparently they were playing in Syria last season, of course, Robin Gosens of, of Atalanta and... Um, um, Cristiano Ronaldo of Juventus and apparently he uh, he asked Ronaldo to swap uh, shirts with him after the game and, and Ronaldo just sort of ignored him and blanked him and I think you know he he was out of a point to prove and wanted to get some uh, some retribution for that and, and boy did he I mean he had an absolutely brilliant game but but Germany on a whole I mean after uh, losing against uh, France they, they, they seemed like they were really, really up for it. Um, and, and uh, you know, let's, let's kick uh, this one off with, with, with you, Dot. How did you see the game? Was it as exciting as I, you? I, I, I said it. I said it mm. after the, French, you know, the game with France. I was like, I'm not impressed by what I saw by the France national team. And I think Germany were the much better team. But mm. they were missing that clinical edge. They were missing a top-class striker mm -hmm. to, you know, put the ball in the net. I was very impressed with Germany against France. So I'm not surprised by this result because... When you think about it, Germany and Italy have probably probably been the two standout teams of the tournament so far. And Germany, they have the quality, they have the pedigree, and it seems to be clicking. Because I was questioning the front three of Gnabry, Havertz and Muller. But mm. yesterday it worked to the T and they ran Portugal ragged all game. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think for the first, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes of the France game, 
France probably shaded it. And then Germany realized that they could use the other two thirds of the pitch, i.e. the wings. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they looked really, really dangerous. And they just, they carried that on. Obviously they didn't score against France. And then there was that massive reaction. Oh, Germany are terrible. France are, and it was always, everyone was reading into it too much. And then the, obviously the Portugal game comes and they go one nil down. And you're like, oh, Germany are terrible. Germany are terrible. Germany are terrible. And then suddenly, well, they've just, I don't know, when they get it down, particularly on the left, I mean, I don't, they, we were having this discussion yesterday. I don't know if it was Germany being absolutely awesome or Portugal being absolutely terrible because <laughs> Portugal would just let him do the same thing. Like, yeah. poor old Semedo, man. Yeah. Um, and then you, you have the centre-backs who just have the awful decision of either letting it for a tap-in or kicking it in yourself. Um, so they obviously they decided to kick it in at the start. <laughs> I really like Germany. I thought Kai Havertz is kind of found his role, hasn't he? Um, at kind of in that appear in that, that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In that in that front three, and then you've got uh, Gersens and Kimmich. Just yeah, just Germany looked really good, particularly down the left and Gersens because I haven't I haven't seen much of him play before. Apparently, he's been doing this for Atalanta for years, but I mean. Yeah, I, I don't. It's always that that time, isn't it? It was like, could could Germany win it? I think mm. the way Portugal scored their second goal and it was quite embarrassing defending. I think they're still not quite strong enough at the back, but they look they look good. Yeah, and I mean, you know, with with that result, uh, Group F truly does live up to its billing and its moniker as being the Group of Death because you know going into the final game of the group stages, every team statistically can still qualify, which makes it that much more exciting. Um, if you had to nail your colours to the mast, the both of you, which two teams would you say are, are going to go through from uh, from from that uh, group? Well, I would say France and Germany for sure, um, mm. because I don't see Portugal keeping the French quite. I think genuinely three points is what Portugal are going to finish on. And so they could potentially crash out. I just presumed at the start of the tournament, France, Germany and Portugal would shake hands, just agree to draw between themselves. And then they'd all get, (laughs) they'd all fresh hungry because everyone expected Hungary to be terrible. They'd all have five points and then they could all just go about their merry way. But the fact that they're actually having proper football matches has screwed Portugal massively (laughs) because they're now going to be left probably with three points. Um, We look today, Swiss, the first team to get to three games in third place. They're on four points. So, Portugal already have to draw with France. Um, mm. And I think their goal difference will then be better than the Swiss's. So I think Portugal are in big trouble. Ooh. What about you, Dot? What are your thoughts on that? To be honest, I haven't been impressed by France all tournament, if I'm being totally honest. I think they're relying on Mbappe's pacing behind. Mm. Again, I think people jumped the gun too early after the first game saying, oh, France are amazing. Look at Pogba, look at Kante. You know, this is the best team in the world. But against Hungary, they were poor. Quite wasteful. Portugal, yeah, I see Portugal getting a result against France. I think it's going to be a draw. And I think both teams will eventually go through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, France, I mean, I do hear what you're saying about them being a bit disappointed. And I think they certainly should have put um, Hungary to, 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 to the sword. That Griezmann ball over the top from that right-hand channel for Mbappe was money all game long. And I don't know how they didn't manage to capitalise on that. But it is very, very interesting. Like I said, going into that final game in that group, there's, there, it's all to play for. And I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure that Hungary aren't going to be going out, you know, without a fight. So, um, yeah. Can I just say, from a Portugal perspective, I'm very underwhelmed by Ruben Diaz's performance. I mean, mm. this is a guy that was a rock for Manchester City. 
towards mm. the back end of the season, I started seeing some cracks in his performance, and it seems like he's taking it into the Euros this tournament. And that that was he was the reason why Portugal were my pick to win the tournament. I think when you look at the team in attack, Bruno Fernandes, Jota, Cristiano Ronaldo, and then you have one of the best centre backs in the world in Diaz. But I think Bruno Fernandes and Diaz have underperformed so far, and I think mm. if Portugal want to go far in this tournament those players need to start performing as soon as possible. So that being said, we move into the next game, which was the one that was played between Italy and Wales. Um, Italy come in away, 1-0 winners. Um, I mean, they they won three and three, and of course, I've qualified. But I mean, off the back of the first two games where they won 3-0, this one seemed and felt a little bit underwhelming. And, and, and you know, such is the, the standard that they've set for themselves over the past few games um, that you were expecting them to, to come and, and blow away teams and, and, and what have you. But, of course, Mancini decided to make really good use of his squad and, and, and do a bit of uh, a ro- rotate in this game. And such is the strength in depth of that Italy team that you can rest Manuel Locatelli and Nicolo Barella and you can bring in Matteo Pessina and Marco Verratti off the bench, um, who, of course, both combined to score that goal. I think it's um, 30 games. Is it 30 games unbeaten for Italy? I think it is. Yeah, yeah I think not it lost, is. Not lost since in a game that they scored a goal since 2013. Oh, that's crazy. That is absolutely <laughs> crazy. And they haven't, they haven't conceded in like 10 games as well, which is, which is absolutely I thought you were going to say 10 years. But I mean, yeah, it, it, was, it was absolutely the, the Marco Verratti show, wasn't it? Dot, what, what, were your, what were your thoughts on, on, on that one? Yeah, I think this just showed the levels in quality when it comes to Italy and Wales. I think, you know, Wales have had an amazing tournament so far, you know, through to the knockout stages. But I think Italy were cut above and at times Wales were really on the ropes. They were really getting stretched. You know, the defence mm. were getting pulled from pillar to post. And I think Italy's quality was just too much today. Yes, they won the game 1-0. Um, Ethan Ampadu got a red card. And I actually thought, you know, the referee got it right. I know there's been a lot of criticism, but that's nah, a dangerous man, tackle. Nah. That's, a, that's nah. a dangerous tackle. Yeah, but it's just, it's so if, unintentional. And it looks, then, everything if, looks if bad a, in slow mo. If a player done that to an England player. Oh yeah, straight red. Straight red. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to keep the same energy. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't prove your point. <laughs> 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 Mm, yeah, I think yeah. Don't give the referee an opportunity to, to mm. make that decision because we know mm. in Europe how the referees are. This is not the Premier League. We know that in Europe, they're a bit more stricter. When they see those kind of tackles, they're going to give red cards. Yeah, mm. I don't know. I think they need to invent like an orange card. Or like, that's where I'd love to see a sin bin. Perfect, perfect time. Yeah. Um, just just felt a bit harsh because I think he's, what, is he now going to be banned for three games as well? I mean, that's his tournament over. Might as well just go home. I yeah, think it's it one is, game. It I think it may be one game, Ben. Okay. Well, we'll yeah. need to check that. Check that at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I side with you on that one, Ben. I, I do feel like it was a bit harsh. Um, but I mean, fair play to Wales for, for digging in and, mm. you know, the, the, the resolve and, and, and the fact that they were so difficult and made it really difficult for, for, for Italy. And they were absolutely hell bent on not uh, conceding that second goal. 
um, you know, they've, 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 they've done exactly what they needed to do ultimately um, and, and hats off to them for, for, for uh, managing to qualify. Most certainly. It would but, be interesting. Say, yeah. oh, sorry. So, sorry, Ben, to interrupt, but can I just say we spoke to Tyler Roberts, you know, just before the Euros, and he was like, listen, we've looked at the group and we don't think it's a madness. Mm. And I was almost like, wow, that, that seems like a very tough group for Wales, but he's proved us right. They've, mm. they've seen that group. They said, you know what? Okay, Italy, very good team. But after that, we're probably the second best team in this group and they've proved it by coming second. Mm. Mm. I mean, I don't know why... Any of us hype Turkey. I mean, I think everyone had the Where did it come from? I really don't know. So genuinely, I think one person whispered it to a friend. And then it's just (laughs) and and then everyone's just taken that it's just taken everyone's just taken that opinion for themselves because no one wants to look like they don't understand a certain part of football. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, Turkey Turkey are good. And then it just spreads, and then you hear it from someone you respect, you're like, Oh yeah, Turkey, dark horses, dark horses. Like, yeah, yeah, Yilmaz, yeah, yeah. Won the league, league earned. Won the league, won the league earned. And then you watch him and you're like, what on the hell did this guy carry the league earned? He's terrible. Yeah, 100%. Again, all of you guys listening in, if you still have any stocks in Turkey... I mean, you, you should you should have got rid of them. You should have, you should have sold a, a long time ago. I think the dip has... Yeah, it's this an all-time low. This is the time yeah. to pile in. They're dark horses for guitar. <laughs> Um, and I mean, we 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 mentioned it a, a little bit, but um, we, I mean, we have to shine a, a, a spotlight on Marco Verratti. I think it's been a case of out of sight and out of mind for him because the you know the midfielders that have been starting before him in terms of Locatelli and Barella have have performed so well. So you know, there's not been a clamour for uh, Verratti to start, but I think that performance just reminded everyone just how quality he is and the fact that he manages to play the game and make it so, play, seem so easy, right? Yeah, I love I love the way he plays. Like The way I describe it is, you know, when you're, you're watching a football match, you can kind of see the pass that everyone's going to take or the, the yeah. pass that everyone should make. And there were times today where Marco Verratti, right, so he's going to pass there. And then he just doesn't. He just does something different. And that's how he manages to create chances because he does the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um and the way he's, I've noticed a few times as well, he's, he does such crafty set pieces. Like the goal was just, just oh, I'll just keep it really low, like normally a low ball to the front man. That's never going to yeah. create a goal, but he delivered it with such pace. And it was, all it needed was a bit of helping on. And it, yeah, was, yeah. it was in the net. So yeah, he's a, he's a, diff, he's a different sort of player. Yeah, we've, we, because they had massive injury doubt over him as well, but you can obviously see why they picked him. <laughs> he's 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, Dot, any, any, anything to add to that before we move no, on? we all know he's a world-class midfielder. The problem yeah. with him is injuries. But I think once you get him playing football, you just know he's a joy to watch. Amazing midfielder. One of the top five midfielders in the world. Okay, sweet. And, and to, just to wrap things up, of course, we have to speak about uh, Switzerland and, and Turkey. Uh, the, the Swiss winning that game 3-1. Uh, Turkey finally managing to score... Uh, a goal in the in this tournament, and I mean, although a, a consolation, I mean, what a goal to <laughs> score, you know, from from Kavica. Um, what a way to, yeah, what a way to 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 to, to score at the tournament. Absolutely what, brilliant goal. What a tournament for Turkey, eh? <laughs> 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 they'll be they'll be reminiscing about that. Goal for years, 
<laughs> most certainly, most certainly. And, and and in this game, I mean, one player, I know we've, we've done a deep dive on uh, Verratti for Italy, but one player that we, we, we must speak about is um, Jordan Shakiri, because in uh, a previous episode, Dot, you spoke about the fact that um, he was one of those moments players who will always provide a moment of, of magic and a moment that makes you gasp um, and makes you think, oh, hang on, you know, why isn't he playing more often for his club? Um, you know, he's obviously been on the periphery um, to the first 11 at, at Liverpool in recent seasons. And, and, and do you feel that this is uh, an, an occasion where it's going to get people to start questioning whether he should be starting or do you think? Well, I'm already seeing it on social media. If, I, if I'm being totally honest, or is he putting himself in a shot window potentially? Still only 29. I don't no? think he is because we all know he can do this. Like mm. what we're seeing from Shakiri, if you have to say, "Oh, the finest Shakiri goal," it's cutting in and smashing it into the top corner. So. I don't think he's proven anything to any scouts all over the world. Everybody knows what Shakiri can do. But my problem with him is consistency. If Shakiri can perform consistency, consistently, he'll be one of the best players in the world. But the thing is about Shakiri, he's a moments player. He's going to give you a highlight reel once every 10 games. And if you don't watch him week in, week out, and you just see his highlights, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, what, what type mm. of player is this? Like, how is he scoring goals like this? How is he doing the magic tricks that he's doing on the football pitch? But the thing is about Shakiri is the best players, they go to the game. They attack the game. And Shakiri waits for the game to come for him, come to him. And I think mm. that's the big issue with Shakiri for me. I think mm. we've seen it with Shakiri, haven't we? That when he's the best player, whether that's at Switzerland or Stoke or what have you, he's, he's normally normally is their best player and will produce those moments. But yeah, as Dot said, he gets a run of games for Liverpool and he's not gonna he's not gonna produce what Salah or Mane or Firmino do, right? Mm. Last season wasn't the best example for some of those guys. But yeah, he's not. Yeah. But, but, we know but, what he can do, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, exactly. but what I would say is that that just shows how important confidence is in football because we see him at Liverpool come on for 10, 15 minutes here and there and we expect him to have a big impact on the game. But I think in Switzerland, he's comfortable. He's known as their star boy. He's known as their mm. best player. And you can see the confidence that he plays with. Whereas with Liverpool, he's always trying to impress the manager anytime he gets the opportunity on the football pitch. And that's difficult for footballers. Mm. Mm. So, so looking forward to the season ahead then, do you think he'll be happy and content still just being in the squad at Liverpool? Or do you think he is going to start asking some questions of the club, of the manager, of his agent as, as well, potentially? Yeah, I, think, I think it's probably the other way around. I think Liverpool are going to be asking questions to get him out, if I'm being totally honest. I think he's mm. a player that's definitely going to leave this summer. Be an interesting one to, to, to look out for. And whilst we're on the topic of, of transfers, I suppose the silver lining uh, for, for for the Swiss going home early is that their, their captain, Granit Xhaka, could, 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 could have a bit more time to sort out his future as well. Of course, there have been a lot of rumours linking him with moves away from Arsenal, uh, Roma potentially uh, interested and what have you. So I suppose on that front, um, you know, it, it, it definitely does give the opportunity to get all of that stuff sorted and and and, and look forward to the season ahead.
Okay, thank you very much, gents. We'll we'll leave it there. A really, really nice, comprehensive view of the the games that have been played over the past few days. Um, It's been a pleasure as always. Uh, For all of you guys listening in, thank you very much for listening in up until this point in time. We're going to leave it there, but we'll be back again um, to cover the next round of fixtures in the next few days. So stay tuned in um, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Until then, over and out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 